Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's January the 15th of 2020. I'm Nick, here with Chris. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Nick? Good? Uh, I text, uh, I talk to my dad a lot, as any, as anyone, okay. as anyone might expect. Uh, and I'm also a very big fan of, uh, uh, the animal cats. I think cats are very funny, they're very amusing. Oh, no. So, uh, my dad will often send me stories about cats. Oh, okay. He sends me. Uh, this is not. This is not. I thought you were going to tell. So my dad talked us into going to see the movie Cats. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like, oh, no, I, not you too. <laughs> I tried to convince him to see it when we were visiting him when he was uh, in the hospital, but apparently he was like the first thing he wanted to do after getting out of the hospital wasn't to go see Cats. So whatever, that's on him. Uh, he sent me a new story yesterday, and it's about a fourteen-year-old boy who they found his body in a chimney. Uh, and it's it's kind of unclear exactly what happened. Uh, it seems like it was an accident of some kind. Uh, so the last time they saw him was him getting ready for school, and then eventually they found like like his jacket and some like paraphernalia by the chimney, and he got stuck in it and presumably just starved or suffocated. And right. I get this new story from my dad, and I text him back like, uh, "Very sad story." And he texts me back, what? That's not the one I meant to send you. <laughs> he sent me one about, like, a cat fighting off a coyote. And I was like, that seems a lot more by speed. I don't know. For a moment, I was like, why is dad sending me these big bummer stories about kids dying in chimneys? He's like, I didn't give a fuck about that kid. I wanted you to see this cat fight off a couple coyotes. What if the two were related? Like, the coyote tricked the kid into going up the chimney because he told him, like, Santa Claus would meet him up there or something like that. And then the cat got revenge for the kid by that, beating up that that asshole coyote who tricked that kid. It doesn't line up with what cats normally do, but I do like that version of a cat. <laughs> well, maybe the cat, like, beat up the coyote for entirely separate reasons that just happened to align. And so when the cops came by and arrested the coyote to take him into... Uh, predatory uh, canine jail. Um, they thanked the cat for his good Samaritan work, and the cat was like, "What? Oh no! There's just this cardboard <laughs> box that I wanted to get into that was right behind him, and uh, that fucker was not gonna. I was not gonna let that fucker keep me out of it." That sounds exactly like what a cat. Maybe those two stories are connected at some point, uh, and that's their. I like to think tissue. so. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, there we go. Now we've had so... a wacky <laughs> anecdote to start things off. Now let's talk about a manga. I don't believe that there that anyone dies in a chimney in this manga yet. So uh, give it time. Yeah. Time. For for all we know, there is some sort of insane acting method that we don't know of, which you can only do if you climb up to a rooftop through a chimney. Mm-hmm. The series that we're talking about this week is called Actage. Uh, this is a series that uh, we pretty much promised that we would pick up. When we uh, ran a poll some months ago, I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, to uh, expand the uh, roster of series uh, that we would be covering uh, regularly on Weekly Manga Recap. That's a series that runs in Weekly Shonen Jump. uh, And we talked about it back when it debuted almost exactly two years ago. Next week will be the series' two-year anniversary. Uh, At the time, uh, I said that I didn't think it was going to work. Well, it goes to show you just how great I am at uh, predicting stuff, Chris. Um, 
because uh, it's uh, two years on from that and it's going strong. Uh, it's not one of uh, Shonen Jump's best sellers in that interval, but again, we've had some series that have you know had anime come out since then. Uh, and it is, as the title implies, about acting. Uh, main character is named Kei Yunagi, a high school girl who uh, has to look after her younger siblings because their mother is dead and their father left them. Great guy. Uh, and uh, so it's like being in high school, uh, she, you know, does part time work in order to get money to uh, look after them. Uh, their father sends the money, but she absolutely refuses to use it because he's an asshole and she's very prideful. And uh, she has this deep interest in movies and acting. That's one of the few things that she does purely for herself is that she just sits by herself watching movies. And she has this bizarre habit of kind of shutting off any emotions uh, that a normal person might experience but then she can also perfectly call upon them. And this talent makes her a brilliant method actor. If she can uh, relate a role to an experience that she has had in her life, then she can perfectly embody it. And this talent of hers gets noticed when she goes in for an audition because which her siblings encourage her to go into. Uh, and she gets rejected at the audition at the start of the series because despite the fact that she leaves a very deep impression on everyone who's there, uh, there's this woman who is the head of an agency called stars who knows that this type of acting is very dangerous because if you fall too deep into a role, then it can cause you to lose yourself. But a director who is watching the proceedings named Kuroyama takes an interest in K and, uh, takes her under his wing and decides to uh, oversee her growth as an actress. And we follow her as she gets roles and grows. And that's the series. Final thoughts. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, so uh, I, I suppose uh, it's worth noting because you mentioned that you, uh, the series has been running for a while and you didn't know if you, if you thought it would be good enough to uh, it's worth noting nick that maroon 5 has released six studio albums so sometimes length is not indicative of quality uh and you can just release garbage for a while um oh, you're you're playing with fire right now you better <laughs> you better hit that u-turn right now or people in the chat are gonna turn on you <laughs> so i'm not gonna be hitting that u-turn um, I'm going to be upfront with this. I, I posted a tweet that mentioned how, uh, when we did Chainsaw Man, it was a series that both of us, when we first read it, weren't super into. Uh, and then when we did the recap, I especially got into it and I was like, oh, this is really, really good. I really, really enjoyed this. And it ended up being one of my favorite series of Jump. And the exact opposite happened with Act Age. So... Before I get into anything like that, I want to preface this by saying I believe I'm somebody who, generally speaking, uh, am, I, I'm someone who is able to suspend my disbelief. Sometimes okay. it's not perfect, but I attempt to and everything I try to digest. 
Uh, I enjoy wrestling, which requires a large part of it. My <laughs> One of my favorite wrestlers right now is a wrestling dinosaur, so I'm no stranger to doing it. Now, if this series were about Kay trying to get into the world of professional wrestling and learning all the techniques required <laughs> to put on a wrestling performance. <laughs> that said, I, I had... Uh, I had a ton of difficulty sustaining my disbelief for this series and pretty hmm. much everything that I'm going to say forward. I want that to be like uh, in consideration because as you're, you're kind of alluding to a large part of our audience really likes this series. A lot of people really yeah. like this series. So understand that the complaints or whatever that I make going forward, uh, understand that this is coming from somebody who primarily uh, has found an inability to invest with this series, really. Hmm. So keep that in mind. Well, this actually got some, gets me really excited, Chris, because generally speaking, in the series that we cover regularly, we tend to have pretty close opinions on stuff. Uh, I thought that when we got into Chainsaw Man that I was going to be like, this is shit, and you were going to be the one championing it. And then, of course, fucking Reza had to come along and be like, oh, well, great, now the series is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think that any of the series that we've covered week to week, we've had one that we're just like kind of have – at all opinions that are at odds. So this gets me excited for uh, the weeks ahead. So, uh, cause I really like this series. Um, I can't pinpoint the exact moment that really got me to do it. I think that it was a, somewhere in the time in the arc that introduces, uh, K's rival, uh, Chiyoko. Um, I think something about the way that she was portrayed as this like Terminator actress uh, really appealed to me. Um, but I will say that I think that your inability to invest in the series and inability to suspend disbelief do make sense because Kay's rise happens in the timeline of the series very quickly. She starts turning heads incredibly quickly. Um, that said, I would like to point out that this is a Shonen Jump series. And so when I thought about it, the way that she acquires techniques and rises in the rankings reflects that perfectly. And I think that that is, that is probably a big reason why this series has managed to thrive and jump and why I didn't think that it would, uh, so, yeah, people are always saying, like, yes, yeah, she's, she's K's love interest. Yeah, she is. Shut up. But <laughs> my Gadar's not that bad, guys. I know that <laughs> they go on a date. Like, seriously. Okay, so um, I'm getting off topic, though. A big thing in this series is uh, K starts off basically only being able to method act. And a lot of the, the main characters in the series that are introduced, each of them have their own method of acting that they embody a different approach to acting than she does. And she ends up drawing from them in order to become a more complete actress, because there are certain experiences that she has had, uh, or rather certain experiences that she has not had that prevent her from completely being able to relate to certain roles that she ends up having to play. So, 
So she has to learn how to do different things than just calling upon those memories in order to get by, which is the way that, you know, the protagonist of a fighting manga has to accumulate different techniques in order to defeat different opponents. It's very much a series about uh, rising to challenges and also outperforming each other in battles, quote unquote. Uh, so it's a very battle manga approach to a very non-battle concept because acting and directing and put, making a movie or a player and stuff like that, that's supposed to be a cooperative thing. And the series does kind of recognize that, but it seems as though all of Kay's co-actors see her as a rival that they need to defeat or outperform. So it is odd but I went along for the ride and I really enjoyed uh, the stuff that happened in it. So, so uh, I'll say that my issue uh, when it says uh, suspension of disbelief or ability to get in uh, like lose investment isn't necessarily in her rise or her talents or anything like that. Uh, it's in the fact that I, I feel like nobody understands how to create like how to do perform like I, everyone's really bad at their jobs to like <laughs> an infuriating degree and i apologize now because from here on forward i'm going to shoot off into a thousand different directions but i'm going to okay. try to refine it to one point which was the death island arc is maybe one of the most infuriating yeah. arcs of any manga ever on so many levels. I really, I, <laughs> well, Chris, Chris, you don't <laughs> acting in a typhoon. This, this, that's the thing that would happen. You know, like, she gets, she gets carted off by a flood and they, and they keep that shot. Fine. <laughs> there is a point. There is a point. Cause Kay is a method actress and that's right. what she's, she's, good at that's where her talent is is pulling out these raw emotions and just doing it no matter what and there's a moment this is her first role by the way this is her first role uh besides a fucking powdered soup commercial and right k is told to act as though she's going to run and jump off a cliff but because the the director is so enthralled with her fucking performance he doesn't say cut so k doesn't Stop. So she jumps straight off this cliff with no safety precautions, with no stunt coordinator, with nothing there, just jumps fucking straight off this cliff. And the two other actresses with her who are, are, are also running, they're like, well, it'll fuck up the shot if we don't jump too. So three actresses, underage actresses, jump off a cliff into water below. And at that point, I just sat there. I was like, how does this movie get made? The insurance premiums are going to fucking <laughs> skyrocket now. This is absurd. And every time someone proposes something to fix this stupid production, somebody else is just like, no, this is what acting is. Like the producer comes in and is like, hey, so there's this big typhoon coming in. I don't know if we're going to be able to shoot this scene that you want with, uh, with Kay and Chiyoko. And he's like... Mm, but I want to. And he's like, 
interesting. I am the producer, so fuck yourself. You're not shooting the scene. I mean, the insurance liabilities are insane. This is literally our star company's fucking like main actress. You're gonna throw out in the line for some fucking fan fiction scene that you're adding into this anyway. But whatever. I guess we'll just cowtail to you. And they fucking film it in the goddamn typhoon. All for this weird premise of like, well, I have to break down her mask because Chioko's fucking fatal flaw is she does her goddamn job! Which is apparently a problem! She's apparently not a real actress because she won't fucking go out into the wilderness and eat fucking raw bear meat like a goddamn animal. Because I believe the person who wrote this manga watched one performance, watched The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio, and like, ah, that's what all actors do. That's the only way to do this. So they go out there, and they fucking do it, and they have to have this thing. I have to break your mask. And the way she does it, it was when a fucking flash flood comes in, because it's a goddamn typhoon going, and everyone's lives are at risk. Not just theirs, but the goddamn camera people, too. Their lives are at risk. But a flash flood comes in, and Kay doesn't break character as she's swept away into almost death. You're like, Good wow. That's where I'm saying my suspension of disbelief comes in. I know it's a shonen manga. I know that's uh -huh. supposed to be cool, but I don't buy it. I hate everyone. I will say two things. One... I think the point of this series is not to be a realistic portrayal of Hollywood or no. I'm not sure what the equivalent of the Japanese movie industry would be. I think it is meant specifically to be interesting to a young reader and to get them interested in the process. And then they go off and learn more. And in order to appeal to a teen and preteen audience, you have to simplify things. It does annoy me to some extent that seemingly the only two positions in movie and uh, playmaking uh, that are production rather that seem to exist actors and directors. That seems to be it. They're the only characters that get like names and personalities uh, in terms of positions. There is lip service paid to the members of the crew that are out there. The camera people, the guy who hold, guys who hold the lights and stuff like that. But for example, I think the only time that a writer is a character is when she becomes a director of a play that Kay, that Kay is going to be in, which is where the uh, arc currently is. So I definitely understand your frustration. And yes, you're correct. And I think that 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 this is going to be a great way of measuring whether or not, you know, if you are not familiar with the series and you're listening to us, whether or not you want to try the series out. If you want. If you are familiar with the way the movies work and seeing them portrayed inaccurately or to ridiculous degrees, like you just said, she keeps staying in character, even though she's being swept away to her death. Uh if you hear that and like, that's stupid, I don't want to read that, then yeah, you're not going to like this. If you are able to get past that, then maybe you'll like this. So it's, it's, it's the thing that you're making a point that I can't argue with. Like it's, You're correct. It's just my issue. And again, I, I, I want to reiterate, I had an inability to suspend my disbelief with this series and get invested. So again, I understand this is shonen. That right. these are the big moments, like everyone's going to be like that. Maybe that's the cool moment. It just isn't for mm -hmm. me necessarily. So I'm not trying to say if you enjoy this, that you're wrong or anything like that. I This is my 
feelings towards it. The thing that keeps killing me is that no one ever says something like, man, that was fucking dangerous. We shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Everyone at the end's like, brava. What a performance we've done, everybody. Come celebrate around the campfire for the great job we've done. Only that us as actors could have done. And every director is the same fucking way. They're all mysterious little fucking puppet masters from afar. I've got pusher for my own. I, I know that I was hired to make this movie and make it successful, but I've got my own agenda that I need to push them in, yeah. which some are far more understandable than others. Uh, like, I don't even know exactly what the guy and of the director of that movie, who is not an important enough character for me to remember his name. He says like his whole thing was he wanted to break Chiyoko's mask or something like that. But I'm like, to what end? Why do you want to do that? I don't care. It doesn't matter. That movie is about set establishing Chiyoko and Kay as best friends slash love interests slash mostly rivals. <laughs> like, like I, I could understand a direction you could go because they, they do establish something with Chiyoko that is kind of important where they kind of emphasize that she recognizes there's a shelf life to the world she's in. That being yes. the pretty young face of this company will end and she needs to kind of prove herself as a big actress if she wants to have a career beyond this. And if that was part of the premise of Death's Island, it probably would have been more interesting. But they don't ever express that at the time. It literally just seems to be this guy's like, well, I tried making a movie once, didn't go really well. So then I just did a, real, a bunch of really safe stuff for a while. And now that I'm here on, and this, by the way, this is a world where uh, Battle Royale apparently never existed because they just do Battle Royale. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's the movie that they're making is about teenagers stranded on an island and they're forced to kill each other. It's very, it's very Battle Royale because, so, yeah. So he's doing that. And they mentioned several times, like, this is a blockbuster movie. This is a big movie. And it's like, I'm glad he took this moment to fucking because he 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 starts pitting intentionally. He starts pitting K against Chiyoko to yes. do this thing and creating this dangerous environment. And at no point does anyone be like, "You're an asshole. You're a dickhead. You did this all for whatever weird reason. We don't really know why because you don't like well, Chris, really express anything." That would require a different member of the crew besides a director or an actor. To have a character, which they don't. <laughs> like, you really, you just sit there and you, you, I, this again, it's my suspension of disbelief where I'm like, I don't understand why nobody, like, again, they show the producer once and he just immediately cowtails to the director. He's just like, I don't know, I feel like we don't really need this scene. He's like, mm, but I really want it. He's like, well, legally, this is We're all, fucking Someone hellscape. might die. <laughs> but I guess, you know, fucking artists don't know what's best. So let's go with it, boy. Let's, can we make it a little more dangerous? And they do. They shoot things at them while they're doing the scene of the typhoon. I sat there. I, I was like, did you? How did you? You also prepped that the special effects would work in this fucking typhoon. So you had to consider this. It is weird, especially if you consider that acts of God like that, insurance companies would probably reimburse them for the shooting being delayed and they would have been fine. 
Especially because the typhoon was going to blow through after like a couple of days. So extending the shooting schedule by a couple of days for that. Yeah, they would have lost money. But extenuating circumstances meant that they could have probably gotten away with it. And anyway, yes. Like, yeah, I totally get what you mean. But you really just sometimes just got to roll with it. And if you're not able to, I get you. I get you. So um, and I will say that that arc of the series, because the series is very cleanly divided. It's very convenient for uh, dividing up the series because Kay works on different projects and then those projects end and she works in a different one. Very convenient for arcs to occur, uh, you know, with uh, her meeting a different actor that she's got to bounce off of, meeting a different director that she's got to uh, work with and so on. Um and that arc is probably my least favorite uh, of, of the things that have happened in Actage. So and it's not par- partially for the reasons that you named uh, of like, this is ridiculous because and the other ones, much more realistic things happen. The really old director of a stage play she's in dies because he's got he's terminally ill. And so they've got to carry on the show without them. That's something that happens in a lot of fictional stories about putting on plays, you know, so that was much more uh, easily swallowed. Uh, And also, I think that the fact that, you know, Kay's growth requires her to do different things um, makes the ones where that is required for more interesting. In the Death Island arc, the thing that she learns to do is to pay attention to cameras basically like that's that's the main thing and she learns to have to get along with a difficult co-worker for the first time mm. which has an sets of an interesting thing because it establishes uh chioka who is actually the star of the movie that she's in uh as her rival because she takes this very different approach and you say that chioka is the one person who does her job and yeah she does the thing that most actors do of just what, what was that what's that one quote where like I forget who was involved, but I think it was like Lawrence Olivier was talking to some method actor uh, about their different approaches. And he's like, what, you know, oh, you know, I I prepared for this role by, you know, going and learning to do this for six weeks. And I, you know, I changed my diet for two, two months. And Olivier is like, you know, acting is a lot easier than doing all that. So, Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a show on HBO. It's called Barry. And yes. all hater Love stars Bear. in it. And Love the Bear. premise of it is it's a hitman who, on his way to kill a target to kind of follow him, attends an acting class. And in the process of it, discovers he has this interest in acting and wants to actually pursue it. And a small part of the, of the show is basically stating that part of the reason why Barry is kind of so easily able to get into acting is because he's already a sociopath. <laughs> Yeah, and he doesn't I mean, he doesn't blink at having to kill someone. So, yeah. So there's a moment even in this series where and it's this is an earlier on moment. I I will I will concede. I think the series gets better as we go along. Uh, But it's right before the Death Island stuff happens. They're actually on their way to it. Kay's running to meet everybody. And they're like, hey, you're late. Why are you late? And she's like, well, I had to drop my siblings off and they were crying and it was really sad. So I cried too. And they're like, 
Really? Because you don't look like you cried. And she's like, ah, yes. That's because I blocked that emotion out of my mind. Like King Crimson, I erased that memory from existence. And everyone's like, that's good. What a good actress you are. Let's go. And you're like, no, that's not what humans should do. <laughs> like, that's not what you should be portraying acting as. <laughs> uh I think that one of the things that you might have mentioned early on was that you were hoping that Kay's method acting would continue to be demonstrated as like, yeah, this is dangerous and not just like, oh, you know, she's mastered it. And as time goes on, it actually does the opposite of like at first she's fine. But as she kind of sinks more and more into it, it becomes more and more dangerous as her like acting abilities make it more and more potent. And it's an ongoing thing where they actually address uh, the fact that she's got to. Uh, be able to come back from putting yourself to the brink uh, with this. Like one of the things that uh, Kuroyama does after they rap on a play is he tells her like, yeah, uh, I'm going to reject any offers for work that you get until you just go to school for a while, go and make friends, go and be a normal 17 year old girl for a little while. And she eventually realizes that the reason that he sent her to do this was so that she would be able to actually go really far with her method acting and then have something good to come back to mm. and also have a foundation of her own personality to exist as opposed to before when she is essentially this empty shell that emotions go into and out of at the drop of a hat because she's so able to, to cut herself off from them. So having something much more serious that she is has established, it turns out to be very valuable for her, especially at the point of the series that we're currently at, where her director is pretty mean about it. She is very manipulative. Like, again, every director in the series, every director in the series, to one extent or another, is pulling Kay and the other actors strings for some fucking reason. The only explanation that we get, and it's a great explanation, is when she's working on her first play, which is um, she has to play this uh, the older brother of her co-star who has died. And they're basically on this train that is taking Kay's character to the afterlife. And the director approaches her and tells her and only her. I am terminally ill and I'm going to die within months. It, he ends up dying like the day of the show's debut, which is ahead of, of schedule. And he's like, so you can't tell anyone that I have told you this. Only you can know this. And the only reason I'm telling you is because of your acting style. You can't relate to the experience of knowing that you're dead, which I can tell you about because I know I'm basically a dead man walking. My time is limited. And she's like, why are you doing this? There are these people who care about you. Shouldn't you tell them? Shouldn't they be able to value their time with you? Shouldn't you, they get to take advantage of the time that you have together. And he's like, no, because this is for the sake of the play. If we do that, then it will affect their performances and it won't be as good a show as it could be. And she's like, well, then why are you only telling me about this? And she's like, well, to improve your performance. And the reason that I'm doing this and you have to do this is because you're an actor and I'm a director. And that's it. That's the only explanation. But it's a very simple and like, yeah, I get that. Like he takes the, it so seriously. And it's like, you know, these are the roles that we play in putting on these, you know, dehumanizing projects for people. 
there was a lot of effort made to put a lot of emotion into that arc and i i, I respect that's probably the only part of the series that i was actually able to somewhat even enjoy but even him i still had that moment where it's like I don't know, dude. This is a lot of weight to thrust on a 16-year-old actress that, to this yeah. point, you know only has one credit. Because her movie hasn't come out yet. Yeah. So nobody's seen her in that. So just sight unseen, you're like, hey, I'm going to drop the pressures of my death upon you. And you kind of are going to have to deal with it. Like, I understand. Again, I, I understand this manga. I understand these things kind of have to happen. But it's still one of those things that I was just like, I don't know, man. I, I just... It's hard not to feel like this is a world where K just keeps being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Like, a world where you're like, I kind of want to see the AU where she just goes to a normal <laughs> acting school. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're very good at performances. There's some things we couldn't refine. She's like, oh, do you do you need me to choke out a baby or something like that? They're like, no, I don't think so. We're going to have you act let's, with this chair let's try, let's try some yes and practice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, the thing is, if she just went to, you know, the st- the stand up uh, performances and, you know, did a bunch of, you know, college improv uh, groups, then that wouldn't be in Shonen Jump. <laughs> Everything's got to be as hardcore to the edge as possible. So but like, I actually so one of the first series we've ever read for Weekly Manga Recap was Skip Beat. Yes. And that had a large part of it being about this young girl learning how to be an actress. And I love those moments. Those were like my favorite parts of that series because it actually felt like Kyoko was empowered through acting. Like it allowed her to discover these layers of herself and improve. And later on in Act Age, it's starting to feel like that's becoming more of a thing. But for a long part of it, it didn't feel like she was actually getting anything out of acting. It felt like they were taking a lot more out of her. So all these big moments didn't really feel enjoyable because I didn't really feel like Kay was the better off for them. Like when she gets swept away by the the, the flash flood, I'm not like, what a cool moment. I'm just sitting there like those poor orphan children. <laughs> They've lost their only caretaker. <laughs> the horror. <laughs> Despite having the same subject matter, this is a very different kind of uh, manga than, than Skip Beats. Yeah. Uh, not just in terms of that's a shoujo series that runs monthly and has been going for 18 years and is still going on. Jesus Christ. Uh, and is for, more focused on romance than anything else. Um, and this is a shonen series that is a lot faster paced and goes more to the extreme, like we were saying. Uh Yeah, I mean, like, it's two different approaches to the same subject matter. Uh, And also, Kyoko and Kei are very different characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kyoko is much more headstrong. um, And Kei is much more of, like, a machine uh, in a lot of respects. She just kind of, like, does things uh, and doesn't really think about them. uh, Doesn't really think about putting herself in danger mentally and physically in order to put on a good performance. Um, and I do really like that, you know, we've been able to see those two very different approaches to the same subject matter. And I'm glad that this series has proved me wrong because I thought that this kind of approach to it would not work. 
Uh, but like I said, you know, by making things like this and having this emphasis on conflict between actors as opposed to cooperation and having her get like power ups by you learned a new acting method, which is not method acting. You're like an actual actor now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Cause I think that there's only one scene that I can think of where she re- like legitimately feels vindicated for everything and it's when she's given a bouquet at the end like the wrap-up for death island and they're like it's very sweet and you're like oh she enjoys this and you're like man i feel like if you just want someone to validate your performance we really don't need to keep going to these lengths of like okay so i'm gonna inflict just monumental trauma on you this isn't your choice by the way it's going on you uh and potentially we're going to get a great performance out of it. <laughs> and you're just like, I, there's got to be better ways to do this. What did you think of the school arc where she actually, you know, made some friends and they just made like a little student film together that didn't require Kate to kill herself in order to make it. It was there. It was there. It was there. I, I like, I really like, I feel bad. But I really, like, even though I even like the end of the Galactic Railroad or whatever the full name of the play was, even right, though right, I right. liked the, the end of that, I really, I lost an ability to enjoy this manga, really, after the Death Island arc. Like, I was just so frustrated with you're it. Just, you're just kind of pushing, it's, it's the throw the book at the wall kind of moment yeah, where you're, you're like, ah, like, fuck all this. You're like, all right, yeah, okay. Like, I could recognize these moments are cool and I could see why people like them. But every time I read, I'm just like, all right, sure. Like, my mind now wants to find the parts that I hate more than anything else. And I don't want that to be the case, so I'm trying not to let it. But, like, even as I read it, I was just like, all right, okay. Kind of going through. So, there's uh, Kay being rushed down uh, through the trees and only being saved from dying because they placed nets there uh, because they decided to film the finale of the fucking movie during a fucking actual typhoon. And there's Denji groping boobs. Uh, and those are the, they divide us right down the middle. Those are the, the moments that we have to, you know, kind of recover from recover goodwill from. So, uh, that's going to make it discussing the, uh, the rest of this manga a little bit difficult because if you're at I the do, point where I, you're just like, I, I, I do, didn't like it, then I do have some feelings on the, okay. the most recent arc. Uh, and honestly, the one I want to get off my mind now is I, I read the most recent chapter and this is a very like odd question, but they propose in it cause Kay's kind of gone too far in her anger. She's been sucked up in it. Right, right, right. And one of her fellow performers displays like a real visceral expression and that's meant to wake her out of it and uh her director uh leader i forget his name something like that i don't remember anyway he makes an analogy and he's like it's like when a baby is crying and you show it another baby crying so it sees (laughs) how ugly it is i've never heard that before i I had to look it up (laughs) And I have found nothing to suggest this. I was like, I don't think babies care if they see other babies crying. I don't think that's a thing. And I just sat there. I was like, but you were the one who said it. Like, you could have just been like, oh, she was shown an ugly expression. Like, no, no, no. I have an old piece of lies wisdom to show you. 
Ever consider showing a crying baby itself? It will stop because of how ugly it is. Like, no, it might just shit its pants. It's a goddamn baby. I don't know. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried looking it up, and I was like, I've, maybe this is like a Japanese adage that does Toriyama not... doesn't have kids of his own. Maybe he's making up some bullshit. So. <laughs> I will say that this arc also has had the point because the point of it is that they're telling a story from Journey to the West, uh, where the uh, where Son Goku basically steals this fan. Uh, that can some these great wins from Princess Iron Fan, who is played by Kay. And, and it's supposed to be about Princess Iron Fan being very angry husband at being tricked uh, and just a bunch of things in general. And then at the end, despite being so angry, she, you know, is able to forgive everyone. She, she calms the fires that are uh, surrounding everyone, literally, the, and also has metaphorically calmed the fires of her rage. So in order to get Kay really, 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 really fucking angry, uh, the director does a couple of things. They have this one wonderful chapter where they happen to meet on the mountains. And basically, Kay has to learn not just to be angry, but she has to learn to to believe that she is a goddess who can influence the world around her. So the director has to unlock her imagination uh, basically to do this. And she's like, when I was a kid, I was friends with a, like a, a snow fairy. And Kay's like, those don't exist. And she's like, yeah, I know that they don't exist, but despite that, I was friends with one and, you know, we did everything together. And uh, she was like my only friend because I was so lonely and then, you know, over time, I grew up and, you know, all these regular things happened to me and those have kind of driven me further and further away from my imaginary friend. And all of the artsy fartsy things that I do are my efforts to try and get back to her and see her again. Uh, you know, I want to recapture, you know, that ability, that innocence and that ability to imagine and believe in the imaginary as real. And, you know, they do they. Kay is able to basically get into that mindset as a result of that. It's a really cool chapter. Um, and, but then right before they go on stage, she's like, she's going to be so fucking pissed off. So she's like, hey, Kay, your dad who abandoned you, um, I had an affair with him. And I, in fact, slept with him the night of your mom's funeral. And Kate doesn't have time to like, you know, think that work it out as, and cause she knows that they knew each other. They did actually know each other. She knows that, but she's like, she doesn't have time to address whether or not she's actually making this up. And of course this is a really deep point for her because she fucking hates her dad because she, he abandoned his family uh, and forced her to not have a normal life basically as a result. Mm. So she goes out on stage and she's just like seething anger and is projecting this into her performance. And everyone's like, do what the fuck? <laughs> Why did you do that? To her? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> just like, and everyone's like, we don't have time. We've got to go out and perform. Fuck you. But we've got to go and put on the plane. <laughs> I just want one director, just one who's like, 
You know, I think uh, for this one, we're just going to try to, like, access some childhood memories if you need to pull from that or something like that. We're just, you know, we're going to go out there. You know, honestly, there's so many different people involved in the creative process. I'm really more here just to kind of get a performance out of you and not one who's like, yes, my chessboard is almost complete. I just need to do this one thing and all the pieces shall. I just need to knock over this one orphanage and everything shall be perfect. (laughs) Come on, man. I killed your puppy and fed him to you. Doesn't that make you feel revolted? Now, go! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, go! Play a puppy dog out. And I'm like, no! Why would you do this to me? <laughs> I'm not a method actor! <laughs> this is the soup commercial! Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, What should I... I do really like the way that Kay's bizarre presence pushes people around her. And they do emphasize that that's like her greatest asset as a performer is that she has this singular presence and influence that she doesn't just, you know, have an extreme performance of her own, but she gets everyone riled up and wants to become a better actor. And that's the really big shonen uh, facet of this story is they're like oh i want to compete with with uh, with yunagi and i want to you know prove that i'm capable of sharing the screen sharing the stage or uh, i'll be the brightest shining star in it of all um and it, that's part of this the story that i actually probably like the most is just seeing everyone get that kind of competitive spirit it, it makes me feel like i'm you know reading a sports series uh, where, you know, like the new uh, star on the scene uh, is pushing everyone to do their best. Uh, Even though they're kind of sort of competing with each other, they want to push each other to to do better. Um, I also really like the relationship that Kay has with Chiyoko, whether it's headed towards a romantic direction or not. Um, they have this very deep respect for each other. It's, you know, a very good shonen rivalry kind of, uh, kind of thing, uh, where they have their polar opposites who also, uh, want to push each other, who also want to achieve their best so that they aren't eclipsed by the other. And they also greatly, uh, respect the other's ability. Um, there's that kind of, you know, love tinged with hatred kind of thing too. So um okay yeah i need to address something people in the chat keep bringing this up i understand there are real directors out there that have done shitty things to actors to try to get good performances out of them not all that is (laughs) that is not an admirable trait you are not an admirable person because you were like well i filled the swamp with real skeletons to get real like uh expressions from my performers and things like that there are moments where things happen sometimes on purpose sometimes on accident and directors still include them there's a very famous one from hateful eight where kurt russell i believe was the guy who said that uh grabs the guitar and smashes it and god i can't remember her name right now uh but she acts with real because they were supposed to switch it out for a prop before he smashed it because it was like a million dollar guitar on loan from like the national guitar museum but why would they (laughs) and they were like all right cool so we're gonna use that one so i understand those things happen and again like i know this is a manga but you just reach that point where you're just like it it creates this 
in my mind, it just seems to like reinforce this idea of like, well, no, that's the only way actors and directors should be. They should constantly be doing this weird ebb and flow of like pushing each other to the best things. And I was like, I don't think that's the right message to send about what acting is. Like, remember, like Leonardo DiCaprio continuously killed himself until he finally got a goddamn Oscar. So and that was like that's been a large topic of conversation for like maybe we should be giving out best Oscars for people who do these crazy things to themselves. So that's just sort of my mindset. I understand where this series is, but there's a part of me that's like, I feel like there's a better way to do this that doesn't kind of reinforce some pretty negative stereotypes that the industry can sort of present. As in, like, you don't think that's a good idea if this series is presenting acting in a way that's meant to make it cool and appealing and make people want to get into movie production then it shouldn't encourage the idea that the best performances are those that endanger the actor. Yeah, or that if somebody wants to become an actor, that they need to think like, okay, well, I I should allow myself to go to these extremely raw pla- like raw places as soon as, like, right out the gate. Like, immediately I should be doing this. Just like, I, I feel like many of the greatest actors didn't do that from their first role or even at all. Like there's some great, amazing actors that didn't have to do these kinds of crazy method acting. And this can either create dangerous situations or just encourages fuckheads like Jared Leto to be like, Oh yes, I dropped dead rats on your, on your doorstep because I'm the Joker (laughs) and I'll run away. I think that part of the difference that making you not like the series as much as some of our listeners, as much as me, is that I see the series is not really championing that. I think it's more being largely about the things that actors do that endanger themselves for the sake of a performance. And it also does discuss the drawbacks to doing that and the negative uh, consequences of doing that. I don't think it's really been about one way or another what you should be doing. Mm. Uh, I get what you mean. And in principle, I agree with you. But I don't know if the series takes the stance that you're saying. I don't think it does. Uh, so, I, I don't think it is. I think it's just that's the only thing really being portrayed. Like we because don't K is a method actor. We don't, yeah, we don't get really the alternative. Like, eventually it's like, oh, for Chiyoko to succeed, she has to become a method actor, too. Like, that's the big moment is she became a method actor. Mm-hmm. Now now that's how she's able to compete on a tier alongside her. And you're like... I mean, the other, there are other actors in the series where they're like, you know, this is why they're a good actor. And it's a completely different reason than why K is. But if you have K be, Oh, she's this super one of a kind, you know, person, then yeah, I get that. Um, the fact that, you know, it almost kind of presents it as, yeah, this is the best. It's like, if you present a story that is about, you know, characters with a bunch of different religions, uh, and the protagonist happens to be Christian and it's like, oh, then Christianity is the best one. So I, I get I get I get that. I think if there were more of a balance and more of a, a uh, demonstration of um, 
the benefits of doing things in a way that doesn't require you to, you know, gain 50 pounds and, you know, contract a disease in order to properly display the oral hygiene of the 18th century or what the fuck ever, then. Yeah, I get your, I get your point. And I think that this is also less about the series itself yeah. and more just about acting in general. So. And, I, and maybe like maybe the, the most important part of here is these are all feelings created by having a particularly <laughs> poor before you get into that squirrel dude said it's like if you present a story about a bunch of different kinds of wizards and the protagonist used an anti-magic sword <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh but i think a large part of this comes from just the notion that i i i read an arc that really rubbed me the wrong way and then for the sake of the show i powered through another like 60 chapters of it this mm-hmm. these are probably feelings that will lessen in time and I may be able to reach a point where I can enjoy Act Age more, but everything on like everything related to my opinion of it right now is stemming from that feeling that's the strongest. That was just like I fucking despised everything that that arc did, and everything that's happening now is trying to undo that, which it probably can't do. Mm-hmm. But given time. There's a, you know, something different will be able to develop. As you place more weight on individual upcoming chapters, mm-hmm. as opposed to bringing them all in a big rush. Yeah, like, then... not having to go from a discussion about that arc to then immediately being like, all right, well, let's talk about the next arc. Like, who care? They followed that stupid arc. I don't like it. Right. You know? uh, I think that we've covered about as much about the series as, we, as we're going to in this time. So as things stand currently, you're definitely really low on it because of the reasons that we've gone on about. For me, I like the series because it's, I don't know, I just get into it. It's it's weird. I want you to talk about why you like it more because the audience has heard me say what I don't like. And there's a lot of people that like it. And I think it would be really awesome if they get to hear somebody on the show who really likes it. I like the... I like Kay a lot more than I did when we first started reading the series, when we covered the first few chapters, um, because we get to see a little bit more of who she actually is. There are some funny elements to her character in terms of like her naivete uh, and that make her, you know, she has a little bit of that kind of Komi-san uh, quality to her where she's just, you know, so new to all these experiences that the world has to offer that she hasn't gotten to experience because she couldn't have friends because she was too busy looking after her, uh, siblings. Uh, I like the different approaches to acting that are portrayed in the series. Um, there is a character named, uh, Akira who is, an actor basically purely because his mother founded uh, an acting agency. And so he gets all of these roles and stuff, even though he's not a great actor. Uh, but he is on his own kind of arc to try and discover his potential. Uh, and he learns when he ends up uh, in this role, in this stage play that uh, Kay is in, where he's a supporting role, that he can't act like her. 
he he just doesn't have the ability to just completely involve himself in a role. But there's still value in him because he is able to do something that other people can't, which is just that he's just a likable guy. Uh, he plays this like kind of common writer sort of uh, superhero. And there is stuff that Kay learns from him uh, when he demonstrates the, the stuff that he has to do in order to be valuable in that role. Like uh, Kay is basically having trouble acting big because you have to act bigger on stage than you do on camera. And uh, she learns, you know, from something that Kay does where like this kid recognizes him and he's going to say like, oh, you're the superhero guy. And he just kind of like pulls his, you know, acting disguise away. And he's like, Shh, you know, it's our little secret, you know, and Kay realizes like, oh, you know, this is what I have to do. I have to go to the times that I would, you know, entertain my little siblings and, the, you know, make funny voices and, and act bigger and stuff in order for them to get it. And I have to do that in order to become a better uh, actor for, for the stage. And when it comes time for uh, Akira's big moments, they're like, you're not the guy who's going to be the big, serious, you know, actor that everyone wants to have for these big dramatic roles. But you're the kind of person that, you know, kind of draws people in with your charm uh, and there are characters like that. Um, there, Chioker is a really interesting character, I think, because she's got that uh, knowledge that there's a ticking clock on her. Uh, and the fact that she feels like she's always got to be on, basically. Mm. Because the thing that people realize eventually about her is that despite the fact that she kind of seemingly always is wearing a mask, she's always putting on performance and it's different from K's in that regard, uh, is that she's a very different person than she has let anyone realize. Like K's come the closest because of they, they've gotten close over time. But, but nobody really knows who she is because she's always like so obsessed with I've got to be the angel. I've got to be the person who is beautiful that everyone is obsessed with, with and that every single thing that I do has to be perfect. Uh, and she feels that and she feels like, yeah, she's got to be better that, because there's this person who's come along, who's suddenly a big rising star who approaches acting completely differently than she does. And she doesn't have that expiration date on her because she'll always be able to just tap into a character and fascinate people in a different way. So she's like, so I've got to, you know, not let her take my spot. Basically I've got to grow in order to not let her take that. And she's a great rival character. Mm -hmm. Um, and just in general, I really like the way that the series is structured in like a, it's this kind of a continual sequence of dramatic moments of tension and then triumph uh, and sometimes a failure uh, where like, OK, you know, this character, this character is kind of incomplete in their ability to do this. Here is a big scene that they've got to pull off. Are they going to be able to do it? And they either demonstrate the growth or they do not. And so things have to, you know, be reset from there. And then they've got to tackle that. And it mostly happens with Kay because for example, in the death Island thing, she's got to, uh, basically sacrifice herself for Chioko's character. And she's like, but I don't like Chioko. 
I just, I just don't like her. <laughs> so why, how am I going to tap into something that would, I would feel so strongly for her that I would be able to do that. And so she's like, and of course, eventually it turns out they're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> they really do. They really care a lot about each other. And that's kind of ironic to look back on now. Um, but it's really weird. And this is one of the reasons why the death on arc is my least favorite arc is because she goes to her and she's like trying to befriend her. And Shioko's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in doing that. I know why you're doing this is because you can't play that role otherwise. But, uh, yeah, I'm not really interested in becoming friends with you. So I'm not gonna really help you with this. And it's like for someone who's supposedly so dedicated to making the movie as good as possible, you'd think that you would be like, okay, we'll make up for your shortcomings as an actress by getting along, I guess. But like, <laughs> because she would want the movie to be as good as she, as possible so that they could make money and they would be successful. Like, I don't know. Like, There's a moment yeah. where at the start of the, the series where, because early, we, we actually talked about a lot of the early chapters before mm-hmm. it stopped being like regularly published and then picked back up, um, where Kay would constantly kind of be met with like a challenge and then somebody would say like, oh, uh, like she'd do something very unorthodox and something that probably should have gotten her kicked off the set. And somebody like they'd be like, "Oh, she she hit that person. Let's get rid of her." And the director would be like, "No, no, wait." And it, it, every time it reminds, hold on, it reminds <laughs> it reminds me of the Simpsons joke where Lisa goes on the news and she starts talking about like Proposition Twenty Two or something like that, and it cuts to the booth and there's a guy inside. It's like, "Do you want me to cut her mic, sir?" He's like, "No, no, let her speak." I'm trying to get fired. <laughs> I was like every, every director, I want to do the same thing. It's like, "No, no, wait." Let's see if she hits a couple more people. I could really, I could really sink this one. Or like the the one judge in court, he's like, "I'll allow it. I want to see where this is going." Yeah, let's see how this one shakes out. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, sir. She's strangling children now. Like, yeah, yeah. But let's see what she does in a, in a couple more minutes. Overruled. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think think that this is more much more of a like a kind of gut thing than a like than a, a thing that I can just be like I can pinpoint. Oh yeah, I like this is why I like the series, and I can just you know say I can just pinpoint the reason behind it. it is literally just I have fun reading this. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started getting into this for the recommendation, I read literally half of this series in like one day. It, I just could not stop reading it. Um, <clears throat> when, my, when my momentum was broken, it took me a little while to get back to it. And then I finished the second half again in one sitting. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go when we are doing this week to week. I get the feeling that I might find it a little bit repetitive uh, as a result of, like I said, the way the chapters tend to go in terms of like, here's a moment of tension. Here's how it gets resolved in the next chapter. Uh, and it just goes on like that. Um, but I guess we're going to find out. And we'll find out how our opinions of this series change as time goes on. Yes. All right. Well, that's it for Weekly Mugger Recap. Oh, wait. No, there's two series. There's a couple of series that we uh, really. Rec- so there was no ju- sh- Shonen Jump this week. Um, but we did get a chapter of Spy Family. And we got a chapter of The Seven Deadly Sins. 
I was thinking we would get a chapter of Eden Zero, but we'll probably get two next week. That's usually what happens whenever uh, this happens. So let's talk about them. Uh, Spy Family is Mission 19. Last time uh, Anya was going snooping around, uh, she found the dogs that are being used to run bombs by terrorists, including Future Sight Dog. And uh, the bad guys have snagged her. And uh, so literally, like, one's like, it's just a kid. And the leader, Keith, is like, yeah, but if she tells her parents about us, then it's all over. So we have to silence her. And he's got a knife. And it's like, well, they're the bad guys, I guess. They're going to kill this six-year-old girl. Great. You know, I started watching The Witcher today, Chris. Oh, the first episode isn't great. Everything after that's so good. I've read, I've watched four episodes. And yeah, I, I mean, the, the first episode I liked well enough. I I was really sucked into it. But then after that, you know, I once an episode, I was like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if because it's not until like three episodes in that I realized, oh, these aren't all happening concurrently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that had to be explained to me at the end of the first episode because I was, I was watching with a friend. He's like, yeah, these aren't happening at the same time. I was like, oh, and I don't think I've enjoyed a moment of television more in recent memory than just him being like, please, I have to. I have to uh, give you something. He's like, I'll take a law of surprise. And just the queen like, you stupid motherfucker. And the daughter just vomits. He's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> just watch that episode. Great episode. Oh, it's so um, good. What I like about the series, but this is going along a little bit of tangent, but what I like about the series is that it is a sincere fantasy thing. It's not just like, you know, bleak for the sake of being bleak. And it's not tongue in cheek. Well, we're subverting things just to subvert them. It's just like, yeah. Or a fantasy series, you know, and there's a little bit of acknowledgement of cliches here and there, but it's a serious story. Anyway, I bring that up because literally anytime like a new character gets introduced and I'm like, when are they going to die? Because it, even though there's not a whole lot of killing people for killing people's sake in the story, and I think that Game of Thrones is just kind of programmed me to expect everyone to die eventually. Uh, it just kind of gives off that vibe of like, Oh, there's a kind of cutesy character that's taken a liking to the hero. Are they going to die? <laughs> um, and so that's what I think of when I'm just like, oh, this guy's willing to kill this six year old girl. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you tell who the bad guys are is how how negative their moral compass is, not yeah. their lack of one. <laughs> Future sight doggo defends Anya, uh, jumps the guy who's holding her and gets her away and then stands between them. Uh, so <laughs> one of them's like, oh, you stupid mutt. I'm going to shut you up. He's got a pipe. And the dog kind of hides behind Anya and then barks at them from behind her. <laughs> Which is kind of silly. Yor has realized that Anya's missing. She's looking for her. Uh, and she starts to get really, really panicked uh, as she realizes that, uh, you know, her foster daughter is missing. So she actually like gets up onto a catwalk. Um, I think she just jumps up there. I'm not really sure. There's a sound effect that says leap. So I guess she does. Uh, and she uses that to, you know, look around everywhere and she can't spot her. And so she's like, oh, where is he? Was she kidnapped? Uh, and she apparently saw in the news earlier that there had been a rash of kidnapping. And so she's afraid that I is going to be sold as a child bride, which I mean, there was the fantasizing about a tiny dog with a knife killing Anya. 
this feels like a much more like actual parental fear than that would. So, um, she silently hopes that Lloyd will come back from the bathroom soon, which is a little bit weird to worry about right now. Uh, we see that uh, Lloyd is talking a bit with uh, one of his contacts about Project Apple, which is basically confirming that these dogs, uh, including Futureside Dog, have been experimented on. Uh, so this is also likely how the terrorists got their hands on them. And he's, and she said, warns them, hey, we have no idea what they're capable of, so be careful. Uh, evil Keith dude with a knife is like, I'll kill you now. And Future Side Doggo has a flash, a vision of the phone ringing, and Anya reads this. And sure enough, uh, a few seconds later, when right after the, the dog has grabbed her hood in its mouth, the phone rings, distracts them. They answer the phone, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, what? What's happening? Oh, we've got a problem. There's you know, some shady characters raided two of our hideouts, so the secret police have caught us. Ah, uh, damn it, we've got to go to Plan B. Uh, wait a minute, where where did the dog and the kid go? Let me tell you something, Chris. When the phone rings, I forget everything else. Is everyone happening. turns their head at that moment. Everyone, everyone turns and listens into the conversation. They can't possibly maintain. It's you know." Maintaining your attention on two things. It's 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 also that moment where I turn my attention so long that a dog could like it's like a big dog could escape without me noticing by the time I turn back. It was a real like like a cartoon like Looney Tunes moment. Like what's that? And then turn slowly, like eyes pop out of the head. <laughs> Future side doggo uh, has Anya on his back now and is giving her a ride to safety. Anya realizes that uh, the dog can see the future. Uh, and he's like, oh, you've got a superpower, too. All right, doggy, uh, go into the building so that uh, so that mama will save us because she knows that you're a super badass and, and will do that. Uh, your does spot Anya riding the dog. Uh, outside the window, it's the dog's not listening to her directions. And as they're as they're riding by and even though Anya keeps on insisting, like, oh, no, stop, don't go this way. Uh, let me down. And she calls out to people. I'm being chased by bad guys. And all the people are like, oh, so cute. Playing pretend. Are they playing tag? It's a like, goddamn useless bystanders. <laughs> uh, Anya gets distracted because the dog is running so fast. And she's like, oh, this is so exciting and fun. Yeah. All right. Future side doggo. Let's go to the police and tell them you and me are together going to save the day. And Starly Anya will shine again. And they go in a circle around the building because the dog's sense of direction is apparently terrible. So they happen to run into the bad guys just as Future Side Doggo runs out of breath. And <laughs> Keith is just like, well, that was easier than I thought it would like, be. Sweet. All right. Got him. So Anya tries to direct Future Side Doggo to turn around and run away again. But uh, they're cut off uh, by one of the other dogs uh, blocking their escape. One of the minions goes to grab Anya and he's like, oh, nothing personal, kid. But just at that moment, Yara comes descending and kicks the guy like a fucking pinball. Uh, he goes ricocheting around the walls of the alley that they're in. And she says, how oh, she's much too young to be your bride, you child stealing perv. Oh, Yara. That's the end of the chapter. So a uh, big, big hero moment for your for once. I don't think she's really gotten to do that in a long time. Uh, but yeah, that was the that was the chapter of Spy Family. 
Yeah, that's a fun chapter. I mean, it's cool to see your show up and, and have like a big hero moment. I do like Anya's time with the dog. And mm-hmm. like I could see how this dog could be a fun element to the cast as well. Yeah, you get to see a little bit more of uh, his personality uh, in this chapter. You know, very helpful when it comes to his foresighted ability. But then he's a doofy dog who yeah. doesn't know where to go and doesn't really pay attention to orders. So, yeah. All, All right, right, Chris. Let's talk about Seven Deadly Sins. The Sins. other feel-good chapter of the week. <laughs> chapter 338, Parting. Uh, so we open with Melodius saying, Hey, if everything this lake has just said is true, then you've been lying to the Seven Deadly Sins, which is a great sentence to say. Um, and he's, she's like, Why? Well, hey, you know. He also, he also says specifically, then you've been lying to us, the seven deadly sins, all this time. At such a like, this was translated from Japanese moments. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, he's like, "Yeah, hey, you've been doing this to rep- resurrect a monster, a monster that might not even exist." And Lake's like, "No, chaos does exist, and you've already crossed paths with it. In fact, you haven't just crossed paths with it; you've been riding upon its pack for the travels thus far." And for a moment, I was like, oh, "That's kind of an interesting analogy." And then they're like, "No, no, you've been literally right. The big, the big pig that you've uh, had the the, bo- the the bar on. That's chaos." And I love like, how really? <laughs> everyone except Hawk realizes it together. And Hawk's like, "Who is it, guys? Who? Why are you guys looking at it?" He's like, "It is Hawk Mom." And he's like, "What? <laughs> no, <laughs> hey Hawk Mom, it ain't you, right?" And then she just starts fucking deflating. <laughs> and they're like. Wait, this this isn't like it's just a bunch of like layers of moss. Like, how does this? They're like, well, there was chaos inside of it, but now it's inside of you, Arthur. That's where everything is kind of gone inside of you, as you're the king of chaos. And he's like, I, I'm no geometry <laughs> expert, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure <laughs> you put that whole big old pig inside of me, and it's just Merlin. Like, it's chaos. It doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't make sense, but it is. That explains why I feel so full right now. <laughs> I feel like you're gonna take a really big dump. Am I gonna poop out all the chaos, Miss Merlin? Like, all right, no, no. Question, question and answer time's done. <laughs> <laughs> just, just be quiet right now, Arthur, honey. Yeah, <laughs> adults are talking. <laughs> so Merlin's like, it's no longer possible. Chaos has decided to coexist and act in sympathy with you, Arthur, and that's proof more than anything that Arthur is the chosen king of chaos. So it's she's like, it's a good thing. And he's like, but doesn't Arthur get to say something about this? And she's like, basically a fight's about to stop, and Arthur steps between them. He's like, hey, no, stop because of this. You know, I, I respect both of you, and I don't really want you fighting over somebody like me. And, uh, a little bird shows up. He refers to himself as a baby bird. Yeah. So uh-huh. there's a, a, a like a pebble on the ground morphs into a bird. And then suddenly a whole bunch of crazy shit starts happening as he gives like a monologue. And he's like, yeah, you know, I wanted to protect people when I got older. And, you know, no matter how hard you work to protect people, you can't protect everyone. And that's impossible. But uh, the moment I gave up on that dream, my heart, you know, got crushed by helplessness. And you know, that's when I met Merlin, and she showed me a way to get around that and to become a king who could make the impossible happen, to make a world where you could protect everybody. And, you know, that changed everything. And I asked Merlin to be my mentor, and she's done all this. And that's when I promised her 
that I would become a fine king and create a wondrous world, the likes of which nobody has ever seen before. And we see another, like, crazy, almost two-page spread of the world just kind of, like, molding and twisting and weird structures kind of forming, like, a, a tea kettle and something that looks like a bunch of mushrooms growing out of each other. Like, crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, everyone's like, hey, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? What is he? Does he not even realize that he's doing it? Because he clearly doesn't. And uh, someone screams, Arthur, you're finally awake. I'm so happy. And I'm glad Bond was here because I forgot this character. He's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> well, like, because Arthur, the, this character wasn't with Arthur from when he was first introduced. You know, he showed up again when he was training. And then pretty much like the first appearance that Arthur had, at the end of that fight, he was dead. So, <laughs> yeah. so he's like, hey, who does that? Uh, Gout is like, that is Kate. We brought it back to us when we went to uh, training. So, you know. Uh, and Arthur, like, you know, Kate's like popping up, like Arthur, and uh, immediately like, it's like Merlin, don't let the thing near Arthur. And as the cat's hopping towards him to have this big pug, its mouth opens up, <laughs> and a spiral of a tongue, and all like layers and layers of teeth. And Melody saves him from being completely devoured, but his arm has been chopped off completely, uh, almost right up to the shoulder. And mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, what on earth are you? Somebody grab a hold of it!" And Lake's like, no, you have to kill him. Otherwise, we'll all begin a taste of the power of chaos. Like in a very like almost like a like a movie line was like, all right, give yourself a moment. Let this line sink in. Otherwise, we'll all be getting a taste of turn to camera. A power of chaos. And was like, who are you looking at right now? (laughs) (laughs) So. This is a thing now. <laughs> I'm not um, sure exactly what's happening. <laughs> I don't think that we're supposed to know exactly what's happening yet. Okay. Uh, I will say that this is very intriguing, and I look forward to seeing where this goes and what the fuck arc we're getting out of this, because it seems as though that's where we're headed. I kind of don't feel like this is another epilogue arc, like, at this point, considering an entire new concept has been introduced, and there's a horrible man-eating cat monster thing that wants to devour Arthur and, I don't know, gain the full power of chaos, I guess? Because it's it's clearly eating the arm that came off. Like, so... Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, it's, it's it was enough. I recognized who Kath was, but I did not remember him beyond being there. So this could have been a bigger uh, twist if we had gotten to know them a little bit more. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, I want to take this moment to say that why not? Since it's the start of the year, we've just had a character get their arm ripped off, Chris. Okay. So I want to. Take this moment to announce that I am introducing a new annual weekly manga recap award. The Bleach Memorial Best Severed Limb Award. So, as we go through this year, as limbs disappear from people, we're going to keep track of them. Can the trophy just be a dismembered arm? (laughs) Giving a thumbs up. (laughs) You did it! Um... I'm going to be uh, keeping a little log of uh, people's arms and legs getting ripped off uh, during this year. And then uh, 
I'm going to make that part of the uh, the things we uh, name at the end of the year for best. So submit uh, your, your choices uh, to me if uh, I happen to miss them anyway. Yeah, uh, I like this chapter uh, because it's just kind of really takes you off guard in terms of like, well, things have really ratcheted up really quickly. Uh, this is my chapter of the week. Yor is my MVP of the week. There's not oh, a whole lot we, of choices between them. Were we even them, doing so. it this week? I, 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 I didn't even consider it. <laughs> There's only two choices I know. Uh, two chapters. I guess two if I have choices. to, I pick Spy Family and I guess the dog that doesn't have a name yet. The dog? <laughs> I like the dog! I don't know, I didn't think it's I It's so wacky had... just to say this, the dog. <laughs> the dog from Spy Family. I didn't realize I had to pick one this week. There was, you know what? There was also a moment where I really considered just getting the audience to hate me. Where I was going to be like, eh, I'm not really a big fan of uh, Act H. You know, I guess it's okay if you want to, like, fill that bleach hole-shaped size hole in your heart. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> Let's not start the year off on that kind of energy. Every series that we pick up for the recap is bleach. <laughs> I'm like, eh, I'm not a huge fan of a Gravity Boys. It's a little too bleach-like for my taste, Look, but you know, some just, people need that. Just need Kubo to come back yeah. with a new series, okay? Oh, every day. <laughs> the comparable stuff. Every day. Um, I forgot to pick a new series for us to cover for next time, so I'll have to figure that out and then let you guys know what it's going to be. So, sorry about that. I just forgot about it, and I remembered it right when we started recording. I was like, God damn it, I don't have time to look to concentrate on this right now so that's what we'll 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 have something and we'll uh announce it on the podcast next time but we'll also probably i'll also send out a tweet letting you guys know what it is uh you can follow us on twitter at wmr podcast at reality at nick of time for updates on when we're going to be recording stuff we generally do do it uh on around 7 30 to 8 p.m eastern time here on twitch.tv slash reality for the live recording you can check out all of our episodes on weeklymockrecap.podbean.com for all the MP3 files. Uh, if you would like to feedback us in some way, ask us a question, suggest a manga for us to read, you can do that by joining the Weekly Manga Recap Discord. There's all sorts of discussions on there. Uh, you can get links to the uh, Weekly Manga Recap document that Ninjax 3i maintains, where he also keeps track of uh, the annual rewards and stuff. Uh, at more polls, I believe is or if it's them, I have votes. I think. Votes Damn it, sounds right. I think it's votes is the uh, Twitter account where all that stuff gets conducted to. Uh, special thanks to our Patreon supporters. We appreciate you guys allowing us to create bonus content for you. Man, artist, ninja, uh, I said ninja guy, Infamous Planet. For creating the frame for the video recording of the show, uh, Winslow Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz, who create the opening sequence for Weekly Manga Recap. And that'll do it. All right. Now let's head on home, Nick. Uh, I am home. Uh, so here I am. Okay. I'm headed to Florida. I'll see you in 20 to 30 minutes. That's going to be very impressive. So, uh,. I'll time you, I guess. I'm going to really run. Like, really. (laughs) Like the wind.